Hello, and welcome everyone to BIA's Leading Local Insights podcast, where we are focusing on the trends, technologies, and activities driving local media advertising. I'm Mackenzie Lovings, SVP of Product and Marketing at BIA, and today I'm really excited to host this podcast with my colleague Rick Ducey. He's our Managing Director at BIA. Rick has just returned from the NAB show in Las Vegas, and over the last few days he's been sharing some great insights and takeaways from the event with our team. In fact, he shared so many of them that we decided we can't keep them to ourselves. We thought we'd share them with our podcast audience. So that's what we're going to focus on today. Impressions, thoughts, and ideas that all jumped out at Rick at the NAB show and what it means from the broadcasting industry and most importantly, what's coming next. Rick, we really appreciate your time today and perspective. So thank you for joining us. Mackenzie, um, of course, great to be with you. Yeah, wonderful. So, Rick, I heard you say something. I think this is a kind of a neat place to start. Uh, NAB just turned 100. And for anyone or any association, that's an incredible milestone. Um, How did they recognize it at the event? And uh, what did the early NAB look like, if we know? Sure, yeah. It's it's, uh, sort of an interesting history. So, um, NAB started in 1923, obviously, 100 years ago. And at the time, it was called the National Radio Association, um, since there was no TV at the at that time, or at least not commercial TV. Yes, yeah, so it was our early early days. Uh, the dominant legislation for the industry was really the uh, started with the 1927 Radio Act, and then the 1934 Communications Act, and since then, there's been a number of other um, guiding, if you will, <laughs> um, legislation passed that um, structures the process and operations and ownership of the industry. So, I mean, if you think about these days, what's going on with uh, TikTok and, and Meta and Alpha, um, Alphabet and you know, kind of the companies we think of when we think of media, um, it's really broadcasters, radio and TV over there. Broadcasters uh, have been around for a long time and that original business model um, still has a lot of vitality in it. Even these days, we see a Netflix that's been subscription-based uh, premium video over a streaming platform, kind of the, the leading edge of the leading edge in media technology and business operations said, you know what, I think we'll go ad supported, just like uh, commercial broadcasting has done uh, since the beginning. So at the show, um, you know, this is the hundredth time the NAB has had some sort of a convention and uh, they honored, you know, themselves and the, all the participants in the industry with speeches and events and so on. It was, it was kind of interesting. October 11th, 1923, and the Commodore Hotel in New York. 23 people got together from 16 stations, and that was the first massive NAB um, event. Um, and it wasn't until 1941 that they actually had their first show um, that had exhibitors. This is all originally in one hotel room. So if you can imagine that compared to the way it's, it's grown. And I'll just put a couple of more metrics out there. Um, this year, um, last week in April 2023, um, NAB convention welcomed about 65,000 people. Um, that's up um, a fair amount from last year, uh, 2022, when there was 52,000 people. And that's after taking a couple of years off because of this thing called the COVID pandemic. 
Um, the last time the show ran pre-pandemic was in 2019, and they had about 92,000 people. So this year, 65,000 people and uh, something just over 1,000 exhibitors on the floor in several different halls in Las Vegas. So, you know, they're spread out. They have a lot of variety, a lot of different things going on there. The West Hall is their new hall. Um, that's attracted a lot of attention. And the NEB embraces pretty much everything in media. They like to talk about themselves as the world's biggest media event, content, distribution, business, and these days, cross-platform, internet, this, artificial intelligence, that, um, and pretty much anything you want to see in a media business, you can touch on here. Uh, I will say that um, this show is very technology-centric. The show is also very much addressed to the business kind of strategies and operations of the media industry broadly. And it's always kind of curious because you have two worlds. You've got the convention center where there's um, booths or stands and you can go talk to people and see software and hardware and different things. Um, but a lot of the, the business meetings happen over in the hotels, particularly the unofficial headquarter hotels and wind in the Encore. So basically, a lot of moving parts and people, a lot of a lot of um, uh, optimism. I think people coming back. I mean, who knows what's going on with the economy? Uh, businesses are having to tighten up and cut back um, employment and, and operations in various ways. But generally speaking, people are pretty happy to be face to face and conducting business, learning things, and, and getting things done. Rick, that's great. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, I had no idea. Um, they started so small. I mean, everybody does because it's hard to even imagine that they were in one hotel room <laughs> because when you see the scenes from the NAB over the last many, many years, it is what you just said. It's the big hall. It's the lights. It's all the energy, the different um, areas for the technology. And then it's all the really important business meetings that um, that are going on everywhere and most importantly in the hotels. So great to hear everyone is, was back that's a that's a great sign for how everyone's feeling and some optimism out there. Um, for those of us that didn't go this year, we uh, definitely read all the news coming out of the event, um, all the different stories. And there was one that was uh, always at the top of every newsletter and, and article about ATSC, obviously a huge topic. So share with us from your perspective, what are some of the important things you heard about ATC and, and what's coming next? Sure, yeah. So ATSC 3.0 um, is sort of the industry insider's jargon of, of what the next generation TV looks like. The consumer branded version of the technology is uh, next gen TV, and it has a lot of promises that have been seeing deployed and more promises um, on the drawing board just starting to get deployed. The current TV system we use now, of course, is ATSC 1.0. Somehow we managed to skip a step and nobody talks about ATSC 2.0. But ATSC 3.0, there's now, I think we're up to something over 70 markets um, and approaching 70% um, plus of the population that now has one or more of these ATSC 3.0 or next-gen TV signals available. Um, right now, just the fact that they have the signals available is sort of remarkable. Um, all the services have to be crowded onto what are called lighthouse stations. There's no new spectrum, so the TV broadcast industry has to run both the ATSC 1.0, the kind of legacy now, if you will, TV standard service that we actually watch, as well as starting up all of these new ATSC 3.0 stations. And so everything is getting kind of piggybacked. So there's a little bit of a bang with crunch at the moment, and that causes various issues that uh, the industry has 
has been trying to settle among themselves and with the FCC and other other um, players in the industry. But um, pretty much bigger, better, faster is what ATSC 3.0 offers to consumers. Interestingly, one of the um, compelling consumer benefits is that well, part of the better is that the audio can be enhanced. And there's been an issue in the TV industry that dialogue is hard to hear, especially in some content formats like action or sports, where there's a lot of um, ambient noise. Uh, and then you're trying to have a dialogue on top of that and people just can't hear it. So they're doing open captioning to, to kind of hear it. So audio is an improvement. Various parts of the video is an improvement. And then what's really exciting about uh, ATSC 3.0, this next generation, is that natively part of that standard is the suite of internet protocol standards, IP standards, so that the broadcast signal can very seamlessly interoperate at a software and a hardware level with the internet. So what this means to people back home is you can be watching something on TV and interact with it. Uh, and you know you could be on the internet or you could be getting some of those services and data from your local TV station. Um, in, in a bad case, the internet goes down and with the broadcast ATSC 3.0 service, you can continue to get service and data uh, delivered to you. Uh, so it's, it has some interesting possibilities. And I'll just go over um, a couple of quick ones. One thing with ATSC 3.0 is that uh, there's enough capacity there that uh, some people are looking at providing audio services as well as video services in ATSC 3.0. Uh, Sinclair uh, Broadcast Group uh, is always very innovative in technology. Uh, and they've, they were demonstrating a service they called um, audio as a service, which in the, in the market you may have, you know, um, dozens of radio stations delivered over ATSC3. So as devices like TV sets or accessory devices connected to TV sets and maybe mobile phones and other devices start to have chips that are capable of receiving over the air ATSC3 services, it's video, it's audio, it's data, it's all different kinds of things. And that's in the consumer marketplace. A second area I'll just touch on briefly with ATSC 3.0 is it has such enhanced capabilities that broadcasters can do all they're doing now and more, um, better quality services for what they're providing and more services. They can also get into a different marketplace what broadcasters sometimes call the non-core marketplace. So the core marketplace is we provide programming, attract audiences, and sell advertisers the opportunity to put their commercials um, uh, so that these audiences can view them. That's kind of a basic broadcast business model. It's been around forever, as we were talking about earlier. But some of that capacity could also be used for data distribution. So another concept is data as a service for ETSC 3.0. That point to multi-point wireless, um, relatively broadband data distribution capability is something that's very interesting to a number of different kinds of um, spectrum users. For example, if you're trying to distribute a lot of data to connected cars, ATSC 3.0 could be um, a use of that. If you're trying to provide internet data to places where there isn't good cell coverage or satellite coverage, or you just can't really get there, broadcast signals often will be able to deliver data there. So a lot of um, deployments, plans, and collaborations are announced at NAB for how ATSC 3.0 is moving from a technical specification of a standard 
to companies trying things out to really a full, more full ecosystem evolving where there's a number of different companies, each providing complementary value that are coming into this ATSC 3.0 space. So we're starting to see a marketplace. Personally, one of the things I was happy to see is the notion of a core network uh, so that it's not just a bunch of individual stations doing something. These can actually be networked together in a core network. And so someone wanting to use this spectrum capacity um, has a marketplace to go to or the beginnings of a marketplace actually do some things and do some business transactions and really get some lift off here. And the non-core part of the opportunity is available to broadcasters with ATSC 3.0. Rick, thanks for explaining all that. You know, we've been reading about NextGen for a while. It sounds like there's some real meat on the bones um, with all of it, and it's all becoming more and more real. You know, one of the area, other areas that you've brought up a lot recently after coming back from the show is hybrid radio. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and what did you hear at the event? Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, so we, we love to talk about um, next-gen TV because people are so used to having TV be a, an important part of their lives. And, you know, TV gets to them in various ways and has different capabilities. That gets more and more exciting as, as people think about that. Um, and radio has also been around forever. Again, back in 1923, it was radio stations that uh, NAB was dealing with, or National Association of uh, Radio Broadcasters at the time. Uh, and radio has also has its own evolutionary path. I think a lot of the trade press and popular press newspapers and TV and radio news will, will talk about next-gen TV. But radio is pretty important. I mean, it's um, by um, you know some measures the most widely used media in terms of numbers of people every week tune into AM or FM radio at some point for at least five minutes. So it's got tremendous reach. And we're familiar with the service, and there have been some innovations. Um, years ago, it was analog radio, and now it's digital radio. And on the screens of radios, uh, receivers in cars um, where most people listen to radio, the screens have had growing capabilities. Uh, radio station call letters, uh, slogans, when there's music formatted stations, song, title, artist, and maybe some album cover art. And now there's been some companies developed to use that capability on the screen to show ads. So the radio receiver and cards can become sort of an outdoor display network, if you will. So a lot of new functionality and business opportunities are happening in radio. Um, with the hybrid radio, as I was describing with ATSC 3.0, where uh, the new TV standard allows broadcast TV to interoperate pretty seamlessly with the Internet. That's the notion of hybrid radio. So we bring our smartphones into the car. And in many cases, cars over the past five, even 10 years uh, are actually connected cars. Um, they may not be connected in a way that's available to the consumer, but the cars are spewing off data somewhere uh, to the car manufacturers and other places. So putting Connectivity into the car is is really interesting. The kind of early use cases were how many hours on the engine, how many miles on the tires, things like that. Um, some companies have been looking at, well, let's make that presentable to the consumer. So one of the companies that have, has been working on this, the company that brought us digital radio, um, Xperia, has a, a product that they've um, branded DTS Audio, uh, DTS Auto Stage. And in fact, uh, Mackenzie, um, Roger Langto and I were talking about uh, this topic on a recent podcast uh, on the BIA podcast series and its capabilities. But basically, it's a radio like we're used to it. Um, but just like we're getting used to it, streaming audio and video and other kinds of connected um, Internet services, 
the radio is connected, so you can get the benefits of broadcasting. Also, some of the benefits of internet as well, some interactivity um, and and um, capabilities that are in your dashboard that are native to that TV, uh, sorry, to the automobile experience with the radio. Among other things, um, we can get some data. So radio broadcasters, uh, since these uh, interactive radios, the hybrid radios, hybrid broadcast uh, plus internet, you can get data back. So that's good for the consumers because they can make interactive requests and get um, query served with data or entertainment or whatever uh, they want to do. But broadcasters get that information. They can get information about the audiences. Who's listening to my service? When? Where are they? What have they done recently? Things like that. The kind of things we associate with digital media, which is pretty powerful. So there's a lot of not just programming and content that the consumer is aware of, uh, what's much more interesting going forward for the industry is the metadata, the data that gets embedded into all these signals and also gets distributed back to the broadcaster. And at the NAB, um, North American Broadcast Association uh, issued a report, and NAB um, technical department has been very associated with this also. What does metadata mean for hybrid radio and how can that advance the interests of the industry, its advertisers, and of course, its audiences. So that report on metadata, service providers, who's doing what, um, things like the Xperia DTS auto stage, uh, sort of an audio parallel of what was happening in the TV world, ATSC 3.0. So the pillars of media, audio and video had a lot of interesting things happening, announced and demonstrated at the NAB show. Wow, that's great. So we've covered Next Gen TV and, and way more on radio, uh, hybrid radio than I would have thought. So I'm so glad you've explained that. And with your talk about everything coming out about the metadata, that probably goes to the point you made earlier where you said there's a lot about tech at the NAB show. So very smart that they've expanded to include all of that because that is what drives everything that we do. Uh, nowadays. So, you know, looking at the topics we've touched on, we certainly can't, we can't end our discussion without touching on AI. Um, also saw a lot of uh, uh, articles about that. AI, it feels like it's everywhere now in every part of our life. Um, certainly something important for broadcasters, and there's a lot of concern, far-ranging opinions on the subject. Um, so for fun, Let's just say the current tone is cloudy with a chance of AI and metaverse. <laughs> what did you hear at the event that we should all know as it relates to AI? What jumped out at you? Yeah, I mean, that's really well positioned, Mackenzie. And, you know, we talked about audio and video, sort of the pillars of what's going on with NAB and the media industry. Um, artificial intelligence and particularly generative artificial intelligence um, is, is huge in all industries. And, you know, is AI going to take over my job? Is AI going to make my job easier, more powerful? Um, what, what's it going to do to us? So generative AI as sort of a branch of the general fields of machine learning and artificial intelligence is basically been popularized since last November with the release of Chat GPT. It's a general um, language model, and basically you can talk to it, uh, and it will give you an answer. So you can type in a query or speak a query, and it will it will uh, come back at you with something that may sound like a human uh, answering you back. So, so for artificial intelligence, how can that be used? It can be used in all different kinds of ways: content production, editing. 
Um, one of the uh, companies we've had the good fortune to work with, Futuri, and Daniel Anstendig has uh, come up with an early product. Um, I'm not trying to do commercials here, but as an example of this leading um, edge, uh, Radio GPT, which takes the Chat GPT platform and, as an example, can uh, search on content, compare that to social listening services and see what's trending as topics compare that to some leading news sources to see what the news is covering, pull it all together and distill it down to a 60-second news package or a 30-second news package. And that can all be um, executed by AI. So you have a human editor say, you know, we need to do more local content. So let's come up with 25 audio news packages that we might run this week. Um, Here are the topics I want to do. What's happened locally, you know, put some parameters. They actually have um, uh, query engineers um, for artificial intelligence. There's sort of an art and science how to ask it. And then you get back uh, some information and format that as a 30-second audio script that a robot, you know, uh, artificial intelligence reads using a human-like voice. So a news director might just say, okay, you know, here are the assignments today. Uh, Fred, you do this. Susan, you do this. Um, and AI, you do that. And that just becomes a normal part of the business. Um, presumably, we'll want to have humans oversee what that um, AI is generating before it goes to air. Uh, but that really gives a lot of scale and depth opportunities for content development, for news, uh, for sports, and also for some creative uh, things as well. So generative AI, um, you know, big time on the scene, really started with the launch of ChatGPT in November, and we're just really starting to understand the consequences and possibilities. Some people fear this is going to be like Skynet and Terminator or um um, if you are a history buff or, or really old, you remember HAL 2000 uh, from Space Odyssey kind of taking over things. People have some fears about that. Uh, interesting book by Henry Kissinger and uh, computer science professors and um, Eric Schmidt, um, um, early pioneer in technology and um, uh, associated with Google for a long time. Looking at it, is AI good or bad? And they have some very interesting treatments about this. But essentially, you know, it's in the in the um, mind of the beholder, is it good or bad and, and how it gets used. Fact is, AI is here. We're going to deal with it. There's some good things and some bad things going on with AI. So, yeah, I mean, early days thinking about what the heck does AI mean uh, in the in the broadcaster media industry and some good things shaken out so far. And I think some good cautions. People are asking good questions. What are the guardrails we need to have and who's going to be in charge of those guardrails? Rick, that's great. Thank you so much for for covering those. I mean, I think you're right, and I I know all of us would would love to continue to get your perspective on these topics that you heard at the NAB. There's certainly going to be ones that are going to take us through the through the rest of the year um, and probably become areas of uh, of priority for a lot of our listeners. Um, so we may check back in with you later, and certainly as it relates to to AI, love to continue to get your your take on that. Um, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for joining us today on this Leading Local Insights podcast. If you have any thoughts about what we discussed or if you'd like to hear how BIA could help you this year, we always welcome the chance to talk to you. You can email our team at info at BIA.com. 
And if you'd like to dig into any of the topics Rick covered today on ATSC, hybrid radio, AI, um, let us know. We would love to invite you on as a guest and uh, dig in a little bit more with you. So, Rick, thank you so much. You bet. Glad to be here. Thank you. Take care and see everyone on our next podcast.